2: And 365 day returns.
3: Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on musicnomadcare.com or on social media with at musicnomadcare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar
1: podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Blake Wyland. I'm so excited to be here, and nobody else is excited that I'm here. I am excited.
3: Welcome, <laughs> dear listener, to the Blake and Joe Show. I should have
1: introduced it as that, really. but uh, I know. Maybe uh, we need our own God. podcast, the Blake and Joe Show. It's, it's got a ring to it.
0: Hmm? We go. could,
1: we could really. I think we could fix everything, like all of it. Like we, could, what, it, what you mean? It would be like a handyman podcast. No, I just mean like all of the problems that exist. We could fix ah, them. all. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. No, that would be fine. I'd, I'd be, I'd be interested in that be,
1: because there's one thing that this world needs, and it's two, uh, two dudes in their 30s talking to each other on yeah. the internet. That's what that's what we need more of there's not very much of that content out there so no. that's what we need right <laughs> exactly exactly mm-hmm.
3: well um well yeah speaking of being actually in in our 30s i turned 38 on the uh, on the on the weekend
1: oh. across
3: uh, across our dear queen's platinum jubilee she had her weekend right across my birthday which actually turned out to be quite good cuz i was worried that you know all the pubs were going to be full, and I wasn't going to be able to get reservations in them and stuff. But it was actually fine. And all it meant was I got a whole extra bank holiday day off. So uh, so there you go. I like the to monarchy. think that she
1: did that for you.
3: Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I imagine... I can't see why else she would have. So that's what it was. That's yes. what it must have been. Agreed. But, uh, but you know, but I still, someone really bought myself a birthday present. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and ask for your help. I asked for Matt Oram from Fidelity Guitars help on that last week. So we'll, we'll get, get round to that. Although I did get a rather nice bottle. Of Jameson Black Barrel, which uh, is very good. It's it is very good. good. Yes, for the sort of for, you know just a, an, a a supermarket accessible whiskey, I was like, damn. You know, I, I normally I, I really like Irish whiskey, whiskey, and I often buy the just a, an ordinary Jamesons as a as a simple kind of backup.
1: It, it's whiskey it's very consistently. decent. Exactly. That's yes. it. That's mm-hmm. it. It's affordable and consistent.
3: Yes. So it's it's good. It's good if I just want something that's not, you know, a big taste explosion. It's good to have there, so I never bother buying the Black Barrel because it's like, oh, it's James and James and make, you know, cheaper whiskey. That's sort of more premium price, but I, yeah, I, 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 was, I was purchased it by my lovely partner Emma, and it is very good. I think it's all I'm going to drink from now on.
1: It's uh, the Black barrel's very good. Um, my favorite Irish whiskey. Not, not that I'm. Super well versed. I, I tend to go into Scotland a little more often, um, but Redbreast. Now that Redbreast, really? Yeah, I like some Redbreast Irish whiskey. I think you'll like that. It's like how would I describe it? It's I, like Jameson. That- you know, it, it's got that very kind of you know neutralish vibe, but it's like all the things you like about Jameson, but more of it. Like more intense,
3: you know? I, I think. I think it, you don't see it very often in here, but the uh, the lamb, the the one pub in my village, uh, happens to sell it. So, uh, so I think I've had it once in the past, um, but I definitely need to revisit it because there must have been a reason I never bought it again. So, I may, on your recommendation, I will I will give it another bash, sir. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since I've had it, but I remember really enjoying it when I did. So. Well. Well, there you go, there you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. But yes, so I,
3: you know, so I do need to,
1: I need to sort that out. I'm 38 now, Blake. That's, uh, you know, you're looking good. You know, Thanks. especially for a man who's put himself through what you've put yourself through. You're looking actually excellent when the, you oh. when you view it through that lens. Thank you. Thank
3: you. Yes, we did a we did a a drinking binge from Thursday that finished on Sunday. Um, So it was uh, it was uh, I I, I, Monday was a very difficult day for me because I had to be back at my desk at work. It was was extraordinarily difficult. I think on the Friday I ended up with like this big tray of black sambuca and tuaca uh, all mixed together and I had to sort of select different no it's, it was very difficult do you do you have two
1: in the in the us i don't think you do that uh that doesn't ring a bell i'm not familiar with that
3: i actually don't think any of the, any of you dear listener will know what two is unless you are from brighton in west sussex in england because it is uh it is a, a a spirit exclusive to Brighton, despite the facts that it's actually Italian. So I, I assume you can get it in Italy, but the only place in the UK you seem to be able to get it is in Brighton. It's very unusual. It's actually a, uh, um, a vanilla uh, brandy. Oh, okay. But uh, that but, sounds nice. Yes, yes. It's but only ever done in shots over here.
1: So okay,
3: okay. I'm sure we're missing out on the true you know, intentions of that of that drink.
1: So I need to ask you a question since we are talking about booze currently. So I was just told, I, I went to Nashville to unload a bunch of machines at the Stringjoy shop. And, you know, of course, there were some of our artists in town. And so Scott and I went out to see them, you know, so on and so forth. And um, something I like to do once in a while is I like to find a, a, a decent gin wherever I'm at. Uh, yeah. And I I get it generally, I get it neat. And I'll have a, a water as sort of a back to just kind of sip on in between. Um, uh-huh. And I'm uh, Scott looked at me like I was an insane person. He told me <laughs> that absolutely no one does that, and I'm like, but <laughs> but I like the taste of gin. Well, like that well, is that is still, it's still it's not not bad. I
3: it, you you are you are quite insane. I think I, I did it for a, a brief time. But the problem is, I don't know if you're having this in the states, but there's such a gin explosion. Over over here. At it the kinda
1: moment. it it kind of already happened here and it seems right. like things are shifting a bit to different you know how spirits yeah. go in or alcohol in general goes in trends. Yes. And I, the gin thing kind of happened here already and now it's kinda I feel like it's shifting to uh, uh I don't know, because I'm kinda stuck to my you know i stick to my guns so to speak mm. but it seems like people are paying more attention to rum right now really you're having a rum a rum point. wow that's that's very strange i was thinking rum's the weirdest one. tequila actually no that's oh, more t- did it, tequila
3: ever go away tequila no it never went
1: away but it's really seeming like it's there's a lot more boutique brands and you know with like the rock making his brand and you know oh. like i think there's been a focus on tequila as of late
3: I see, I see, I understand. Yeah, rum's always been a weird one for me. I have some friends who drink sort of rum exclusively, but it's, it's, yeah, it's never a bit too sweet for me.
1: Agreed. Well, well, we we have similar tastes, I think. We both like gin, we both like... Whiskeys and scotch. Yes, so Exactly. Grez yeah. guitars. Grez guitars. Makers. Yeah. Old cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: But yes. um but but yes, so the gin thing that's happening over here at the moment means that gin is very, very flamboyant. So if you try and order a neat gin over here, they'll still still serve it to you in a gin glass, which is, you know, those oversized wine glasses. Yes. They'll still pack it full of ice and garnish, they just won't put the tonic in. And at that point, all you all you've got is half a drink, basically. Um, yeah that, you know, that's you know, not what
1: I want either. I want no, just exactly. the gin. Yeah. You want a
3: tumbler with, with gin in it. Yes. ice you didn't have ice in it, right?
1: Not usually. Oh, no no, no wow. not usually yeah, no,
3: very well very well. Yes I used to I used to drink gin neat. I, my order used to be a pint of cider and a large gin. Oh that see that my, sounds great. That was my early 20s that would be my pub order because I was obsessed with the movie with Nell and
1: I. Have you ever seen that, that film? No, but I've, I've heard that that movie title thrown around a lot maybe we've it's spoken about it before
3: potentially Richard E. Grant's in it and it's a, it's a film about two out of work actors who live in London uh, who are alcoholics and they go on holiday to the countryside and that is the that's the first bar order that Richard E. Grant puts in in the, in the film is uh, um, two pints of cider and two large gins
1: ice in the cider uh, <laughs> I like the sound of that that sounds yes. nice
3: Yes. yes, there you go. In fact, you know, it, it, topical to my birthday, on a previous birthday in Brighton, there was a, there was this outside cinema, and they were they were showing with Nail and I, and so it's just it's just a field with a big inflatable projector, basically. Oh, I like that. And yeah, yeah, it was fantastic, and uh, because it was just outside on a field, you bring your own booze and stuff. So a bunch of us went down and did drink along with With Nail and I, which is. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> which is a you can watch. There's there's like a if you ever bought like like the the DVD. You know, gone are those days now. But the DVD of With Nell and I came with like a bonus feature, which was how to play the drinking game of With Nell and I. Uh, so it's you know sort of a common thing because yeah, they they obviously drink a lot throughout the movie. I, th- I mean, the first thing you've got to do is down two glasses of wine, and then the second thing you've got to do is well, in in the film he drinks uh, lighter fluid. Um, which obviously oh. you can't mm. do, so they suggest getting like a shot of absinthe or something like that. So lighter fluid. Yeah, they run out of booze in the house. It starts at the end of the drinking binge of a thirty-six hour drinking binge. Okay,
1: they, wow. Yeah. That I feel like lighter fluid would mess you up. I don't know that it would get <laughs> you drunk. <laughs> no. No.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But uh, but yes. Yeah. There you go. So there's. there's I don't know how we got there, but we got there. We got we go on to <laughs> you have to me on now. the podcast. You never know where this is going <laughs> to end up. Exactly. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. But of course, dear listener, talking about guitar stuff, it was Nam this uh, this this weekend just gone across my birthday. So I, I was I was to be honest, secretly very glad that it was so muted, and I didn't end up going. Like uh, I was originally Ashdown were originally sending me over there, and then. Um, I think, you know, when they realized how many brands weren't going, they decided to pull out themselves, which was great for me because it meant I got to actually have my birthday over here rather than being sort of stuck on a booth in, you know, the ridiculous heat of Anaheim, California.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't go either, which, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal for me to go down. It's a hop, skip and a jump. But I saw the same thing. There were so many brands that were not there uh, I mean, Fender, Gibson, PRS. I mean, that pretty much tells you what you need to know. Like, if, if none of those three are there, then there's probably a lot more that aren't there as well. Hmm. Um, I was just like, the only reason I would have went down would have been to hang out with some of the other uh, media people, basically. Because a lot of the brand, yeah. my my friends that had brands were not going to be there. So, I would have been hanging out with the YouTubers. And hmm. I'm going to do that in a few weeks. So... There was no reason for me to travel, you know, what would have amounted to three times in less than a month and a half. So yeah, right. I yeah. I passed.
3: Yeah, well, it's 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 uh it's such a shame, and and, and if, in fact, in the end, uh, Dan, the the CEO of um of Ashdown, he he went over with his dad, the guy who founded the company, just just because they wanted to, you know, sort of be there, have a look. I think the U.S. distributor for Ashdown had a stand, so they were like, well, we'll just hang around that and walk around. And he contacted me on like the second day, being like, I, "I can't, I can't believe how empty it is. Like, it's, it's, you know, beyond what I imagined it, it to be for emptiness." So, wow, yeah,
1: yeah. I and, think and I. Oh, go he's ahead. easy
3: to please. He's easy to please. So that that's saying something.
1: Yeah, I heard there was something. I don't know if this is an accurate number or not, but I heard that there was something like thirty percent of the usual vendors there, right. and about forty percent of the usual you know, just people. So, And
3: it was open to the public for the whole time as well. Was it really? I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Uh, I don't have that as, as gospel, but Dan did say that. So I, I assume huh. that's the
1: case. Hmm. And there still wasn't very many people. I don't mm. think that has anything personally. I don't believe that has a lot to do with, with the Rona at this point. I think that was pe- simply people like, oh, I heard there's not much there this year. I'm not going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So...
3: I mean, they, I think it, it still had the potential because I know, I know, Fender weren't going, and Gibson weren't going. I know those are big brands, not to be there. But honestly, as a punter, were you fussed about Fender and Gibson going? You can see that stuff in literally every single shop on the planet. Like, well, why does it matter? You're just seeing stuff you can see anyway.
1: It's a signifier but, of who else is not going to be uh, there in, uh, my, yes, in my mind. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right.
3: But, you know, hey, we've, we've been to Nam several times. Like, the, it's, it's about wandering around all the random weird stuff, seeing an effects pedal that's also a hairdryer or a guitar with seven <laughs> necks that spins round. You know, and that's, that's the
1: problem. That's the problem. The only pedal company, I know there's more, but the only pedal company um, that I you know have a, a little bit of contact with that I knew was going was, was Walrus. Really? And, hmm. uh, literally, like Chase Bliss wasn't going. Jay Jess yeah. said they weren't going in in 2020 after that NAM. Like that, yeah. Like before yeah. anything actually happened, he told his crew, like, we're never coming back here. Uh,
3: Trendsetters. In fact, that's probably why Fender didn't go and Gibson.
1: I mean, even JHS, uh, even EQD just had a small pedal board at the Stompbox Deli booth, you know, uh, or at least that's what I was told. Um, wow. wow. So, yeah, there just wasn't, I don't think there was a lot to see, unfortunately. Mm. I think Ryan Burke didn't even really make any videos, if I if I remember his uh, his video title correctly. So yeah, 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 so that 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 says something because that guy usually cranks out a ton of content at Nam
3: <laughs> yes he's a he's a machine at Nam he is there, a beast yes there were there were also simultaneously not very many releases not very many companies that needed to release as Nam wasn't going to be such a big thing and the thing is dear listener when guitar companies release at Nam honestly they're all forced to because nam's so important which is why you tend to get January Nam comes around, everyone goes. Here's our stuff. It doesn't hit shelves till October because those right. things have, they've only just you know they're still designing those things and they're so behind. You know, it was certainly always the case with like Ibanez. You know, would always mm-hmm. have this big announcement in January, and when we were back at GAC, we might see them October, November that year. Gibson, you'd probably see them next year. You know yeah. the uh,
1: and that was during non. You know uh, non-supply chain difficulty times. So imagine what it would be like now.
3: Isotope and Native Instruments have teamed up to create the start to finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for plus you dear listener get an extra 10% off with guitar nerds by using discount code NERDS10 at the checkout on Isotope.com. from the creative spark to the final touch their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins the music production suite 4.5 And complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you they've also bundled music production suite 4.1 with complete 13 ultimate which gives you everything that makes complete 13 incredible plus a colossal library of added synths sampled instruments and effects 115 plus premium instruments and effects 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 000 sounds Ooh, it sounds like a lot it is it's very good very comprehensive and as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it, it really is the one stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and native instruments have been responsible for almost every simple sample you've heard on our guitar nerd's jingles check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code nerds10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the isotope arsenal exactly exactly but um, but so yeah the you know the, not that many companies have have released things However, there have been a few that have put things out, and they have been very good. Because I think the people that are releasing things now are holding, you know, uh, are putting out excellent stuff. You know, it's not just things that are being sort of thrown out to to have something released at Nam. It's things that are ready to go, and they're really good. So we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about some of those things. We're gonna move on to those. I finally got my. Though I wanted to talk about, I finally got my uh, boss BCB one thousand, my birthday present from Matt Knight. Whoa! Um, and it is very good. Have you have you got to try out
1: a BCB one thousand? I have not. I have not.
3: Do you know? Do you know which one it is? Or is it one thousand X? I think it's called. So no, I. I, I, so- I mean,
1: I've seen it, of course, but uh, yeah. No, it's not the X, is it? It, no. It's
3: the 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 one thousand X, which is the um, it's the pedal board that's also a suitcase. So it has a yeah, telescopic yeah. handle and wheels, even though it's a smaller size. Oh, it's very good.
1: It looks spoke of, it looks fantastic.
3: It uh, it does really high quality, really good, considering how you know sort of functional and basic the other BCBs are. This one's actually super duper pro. Um I, I mean, spoke about it a bit a bit last week but uh on I, I I'm so chuffed with it now that I've got it 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 you know it breaks open so that the uh so the front half of the of the case comes away with the slatted pedal board built into it but it has like some coin screws on there so you can untight uh, un, untighten those and lift out the board should you want to um I think I'll just leave the coin screws out and keep it on the half side but the coin screws are a bad idea because it means you can't access you know like you can't access the power supply or any cabling should you have an issue mid-set unless you've got a coin to unlock those screws so that's yeah
1: or a guitar pick maybe yeah but
3: potentially they're quite heavy duty
1: um this thing does look beastie is it is it like is this designed as like a flight case it looks really robust yeah
3: it's really robust like the outside is obviously that formed plastic that they've used on their other BCB boards the board itself is is metal um there's none of that silly foam stuff that boss used on their other pedal boards and it has a through box like cut into the metal chassis yeah. of yeah, the board I saw that it's really good it's really good so I started I started rebuilding my board today um on it I've, I'm sticking with the ms3 I, I can't get rid of it Dear listener, I can't change out. You know, I've had Helix's a GT 1000 core, uh, the HX effects, the HX stomp. You know, I I've had those things and the, yeah, none of them, none of them have quite been enough for me. I just think the MS3 sounds really good. It's kind of an unsung hero. I think it got eclipsed by everything that came after and no one sort of stopped to think, oh, the sounds on this are actually well better than everything else. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But so the MS-3 will stay.
1: The MS-3 was, you know, back in the day when I was actually considering having a pedal board, uh, before I decided that that's just silly. I could just throw all my pedals on a table. Um, (laughs) uh, The MS-3 was a, a strong contender because of, I mean, I was looking at, I was looking at ES switchers and everything, but then I saw what the MS-3 had to offer and I was just like, you know, that makes a lot of sense, but I couldn't quite bring myself to to spring for it, you know. I just, I was right. like, ah, yeah. I have all these other pedals, though. Um, mm. But it does; it it still appeals to me in some weird way for for some reason.
3: It does some things better than others. So you know, like obviously, I I deal with my compression out, you know, outside of the MS3. The drives are actually really good. I've said this before on the podcast. I spent a long time using the built-in drives on the MS3, but you know, nonetheless, you obviously you get better ones. But the vibrato on there. To my ear, it sounds exactly the same as the VB2W. So I use the inbuilt vibrato on there, the ring mod on there is an excellent approximation of the uh, the, the Moog uh, ring mod-y things. MF very, very
1: whatever good. I forget the number. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: mm-hmm. exactly. It's 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 great. So those I'm just using built in effects. Phasers terrible, but then you know <laughs> the, the Boss Phaser isn't really very good anyway. So. That, that that stands to reason, but you know, there's well, some. Really... I guess that's your opinion, but okay. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. But it's some really useful features on it. Even the octaves track, you know, well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really good. So so yeah. So I, I'm rebuilding. So I've got the MS3. I am going with the Thorpey Effects Fat General Compressor. Okay, makes sense extremely good just having the blend control being able to get that squashy vintage tone but being being able to use that blend control to let enough of your clean signal through to still give your tone dynamics that's a real win-win for me that's exactly what i want in a pedal and because it's thorpy effects it's designed with dan coggins as well it just oozes extreme quality and wonderful playingness
1: oh yes oh yes and plus, you know, I, I I like Adrian a lot. You know, yeah. I just do. So. He's a great fella.
3: Well, I only got that
1: fat general because I saw him at, at
3: Birmingham and he was like, Joe, I haven't sent you anything in ages. I'm going to send you something next week. Give me your address. <laughs> 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 and that that was it. I was like, oh, oh, thank you. I didn't ask for this, but it is actually exactly what I want. It's amazing and brilliant. So, So I'm very happy with that. So. That's sorted. MS3 sorted. Compressor sorted. I need space for the that little FS seven, the little cradle FOSS foot switch, so mm-hmm. I can pan mm-hmm. up and down through the MS3. So space allocated for that. Could use the built-in tuner on the MS3, but it's a little slow and often because I do the talking for Polymath, I have extraordinarily limited time to tune up. Right. So so I'm I'm going for something a bit quicker. The the TC Electronics polytune 2 i just i think i think it i think it's got a good bright screen and it it tunes very well that's that's all i don't care about tuners it's fine the boss one's too big it doesn't need to be that big i like the korg pitch
1: blacks i've always been a fan of those they're very good i think they're underrated as a tuner in my opinion plus they look cool
3: they do and they're super affordable
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah i like the pitch blacks quite a bit yeah i've got a lot of time for them they're good Okay,
3: so that's that's sort of functional stuff, and then we have end of the chain. I've got to have a preamp there. I'm still using the Sansamp uh, VT bass. Uh, it's it's very good, like just great EQ. The blend is fantastic. It means I can take some little nothingy Class D 500 watt head and leave the EQ flat, and you know that that packs away into the van with everything else, and I can just do everything off of the board. So that suits me fine. You know, I'm not going to think for a second, Class D is obviously an absolute sack of crap. Um, And solid state is a million times better for bass. But, you know, size is a premium and it doesn't matter in the sort of venues I'm playing. So I'm I'm happy using the preamp into the Class D head. That's leaving me a fair chunk of room. So I'm going drive. I have been using. So after we last spoke, Blake, I I purchased the fuzzocious little fella.
1: Oh you did? Oh right. I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Um I, I got I got hold of one of those. Actually Fuzro just reached out and uh and uh, offered to take away some of my American fun bucks. So <laughs> I think we, I was looking for something from a US company because I had a bunch of I think it was yeah, like I can't remember some like company. Gift cards paid, or something? Uh, some company had paid me through PayPal for something and in American and I was like, Well, I can either Move this money into pounds, or I can
1: pretend it doesn't exist and spend it all on American stuff. So, <laughs> well, we appreciate it here in the states. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Ryan's a, Ryan is a is a good dude, and I really like his stuff. So, how did mm. you? Uh, I hope I didn't overhype the little fella for you too much. No, I,
3: it's very, very good. Actually, I I didn't choose the little fella. I let Ryan choose. I just said, you know, he he listened to the podcast. He knew what I was what what we were looking at, and I said. You know, I I don't know what would you recommend. This is the sort of thing I'm. I like uh, trebly but still fat bass drives. I like bass drives that sound like a loud bass amp. They don't sound like a an artificial distortion on top of a tone. Mm-hmm. I think like harmonic percolator soundy. That's the sort of thing. Yeah. So I I honestly thought he was going to recommend the uh, the Cat King. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that would be the thing because of course a couple of weeks later I've developed an obsession with uh, with with Proco Rats so I wish he had but he didn't he recommended the, <laughs> the little fella and I got that and I can't believe how versatile it is
1: Blake it, isn't it wild Like it's like wow this really I I think it's becoming a little bit more of a thing that people are designing drive pedals that work well and everything I, I've talked about it a little bit before I have a pedal from a company that uh, it's a dirt box, and it was designed with baritone in mind. And right. honestly, it doesn't work with anything else. A baritone and bass sounds great with, it sounds like absolute trash with standard tune instruments, in my opinion. I uh, see. I understand that it was designed to focus on those frequencies, so I'm not trashing it too much. I'm just saying it, I was like, well, let's try it with standard tune. Oh, let's never try it with standard tuning again. <laughs> um, and so... Um, with with uh ryan's stuff it he's he is a bass player oftentimes and so he but he knows his primary audience is guitar players so he tries to make it work well with everything and really nailed it with the little fella yeah
3: yeah With, With the thing with the little fella for me i was like i found i a big fan of the fact that it's got like dual gain stages in there that that Makes it so much easier to shape a drive that's right for you. It's almost an undersung thing in drive pedals. But as soon as you've only got one gain stage, that's the way that pedal sounds. You're either having less or more of it. But mm-hmm. being able to sort of balance those up just oh, is it's so wonderful. It means it's capable of so many things, which actually, because it's a single, just a normal one foot switch pedal, that, that makes it tricky for me. Because I'm like, ah, oh, there are all these tones that I want from it. I need four of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um And the fact that it's got that gate, it's got a gate, dear listener, on a little switch, and you switch that gate over, and it turns it into a fuzz. But it's not like one of these pedals that's like, oh, so there's a fuzz, but the fuzz sounds garbage. It's actually an amazing-sounding fuzz. And because what works out quite well for me is because the drive I have it set up to is relatively low gain, relatively transparent-ish sounding – when I slap it over to the gate side, which of course you have to do with your hand because it's a it's a switch, it becomes a, a super spluttery gated fuzz. Like the notes will peter out almost immediately, So sort of, mm-hmm. You know, it's very, which is a very desirable fuzz tone for me. So that's it is extremely
1: good. Yeah, and it's got a little fella on it. I mean, it's got it, a cute little fella on there. It does. It does. Yes, yes
3: I got the standard uh, printed one. Just because I was, they they could do that quicker and send it out to me quicker, and I was eager, so
1: I got that. So, mine's mine's light blue with the spider on it. Ooh, very nice. Mine is white with the spider on it. It's it's one of the. uh, I think actually, I I don't remember now. Yeah, I I was I did one of the release videos. So my mine I did a baritone demo because he's he already did the bass demo and he had some standard tune stuff already. I was like, I will do the baritone demo then. so yeah. Yeah. More more Rocious love on the Guitar Nerds podcast. Mm, Not yeah. a, I, I love I love Ryan. I need to call him. I should call him. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to go now? Yeah, I got I got to go. I got to go. I got to give him a call.
3: <laughs> but it is extraordinarily good, but to be honest, it so it, it's been it went straight onto my board. Immediately became the dry pedal on my board, and I played my last like three, four shows with the Fuzz Rocious on my board. But what I've found is, I think because the my main drive tone is relatively transparent, and then I need like a big, thicker other thing. I'm using other pedals for the big thing, and I kind of feel like fuzz ro- Rocious, that the little fella does the, even though it does everything. I think the little fella excels at doing the massive sounding drive. Mm-hmm. I think that's its that's its wheelhouse, whilst it is very versatile. The transparent thing for me, it sounds fantastic. But um I found it difficult to like maybe uh, I guess get in enough low end uh mm-hmm. when you're when you're really trying to wind down the game. Um it still it still sounded great, I just thought it sounded better, like bigger. So I decided to I've decided to make that now my secondary drive, my big bit drive, and to get another drive pedal on to do the more transparent thing. And uh, I'm I've I've gone for the KMA Logan transcend drive which is exactly what you were just saying blake about people making drive pedals that can do everything
1: mm-hmm. or at the least whole, handle you know they, they maybe don't do every sound yes, but they sorry, can handle yes. every instrument yeah
3: that's what i meant yeah that's what mm-hmm. i mean it's and that was the idea behind the logan is the Logan's supposed to be a drive pedal that sounds great on guitar bass synthesizers yeah I, I think there's even like a demo of it where they like use it on a drum bus Cool. You know, it's, it's, it's that sort of thing. It's like, this does an awful lot. And it's got a second foot switch on there where you can control mids, which is kind of, for guitarists, really good. You can do that coctoir thing. Like, I let Tim, the guitarist in Polymath, try it, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is a great Cocteau drive. So he, he wants it for that. For me, having that as, like, a little mids boost, that's an excellent way of getting a, just a touch more out of the drive pedal every now and again when you want the bass to just cut through a little bit more. But, you know, in its, in its normal setting, sounds fine. Like the little fella doesn't have a blend control for bass, but because it has a standard two band EQ, uh, unlike sort of the just general tone control like you have on the little fella, um, because you've got that separate bass control, you can kind of dine that and really get some some big, thick, subby sound coming from it. But yes, I don't think I've ever been happier with my drive tone. Guitar nerds are teaming up with Music Nomad and I I really think, nerds, you need to check out musicnomadcare.com. We've spoken about all their wonderful guitar maintenance products on the podcast and and I really can't emphasise how important it is to look after your gear and how easy Music Nomad make that for you with things like their their how-to advice centre and their Setup hub. Music Nomad have been around for a little over 10 years and in that time they've become one of the most recognised brands for guitar tech gear. They're available worldwide in every guitar store you can think to name, and it's for a good reason. All their products are professional-grade quality. Every tool and even the cases the tools come in are designed for proper, rugged, on-the-road use. Make sure you check out what all the buzz is around Music Nomad as they are redefining and raising the bar for equipment care. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com or follow them on social media with at music no night care
1: that is quite that that is quite a statement because you have played a lot a lot you you swap things out so often and actually use them out in the real world i swap things out all the time and just use them alone by myself like a nerd um (laughs) and so i i don't ever play with the same the same rig twice like really ever ever. like well it's it's the fun for me it's like they're like Legos. I can swap everything in and out. What does that sound like? What about when I run this reverb into this flanger? like what happens? you know um that's what I like to do. but you know if you're if you're stoked on your drive tone and like how you're how you're able to implement that into your set i mean you've had a lot of experience with these things at this point, so that's that says a lot. <laughs> Well, well, there
3: you go. Well, okay. So as someone who, who you know, ex- you experiment with pedals a lot at the moment, there's a gap on my pedal board, on this new pedal board. So I've got mm-hmm. two, the Logan and the, the Fuzarocious little fella. We've got the preamp. We've got the MS-3 and its little bits. And we've got the compressor. I need a phaser in the gap. That's what I need. Ideally,
1: a phaser. I have a phaser for you. You ready talk for this? To me, talk
3: to me about phaser.
1: Let me tell you about this phaser. This phaser is affordable. This phaser was released sometime in the early 2000s. This phaser is gray and this phaser sounds fantastic. Can you guess what it is? No. The Ibanez PH7 phaser. Oh, yes. Yes, this, yes. This is the one with the retracting knobs. It is. Yes, they they depress in to avoid kickage. Now, the one negative thing about the 7 Series. I love the 7 Series pedals. There are some seriously hidden gems in there. I love a lot of them. PH7 being one of the primary ones. The problem with them is their switches suck. While most of mine work fine, you will you will occasionally find one that you're like, oh, this sounds great, but the switch is, is a little finicky or it's totally toast. Um, so there's that to consider. But the sound for the money with these things is ridiculous. I'm looking on one for 50 pounds right now on eBay. That's what I'm telling you. They sound the PH seven sounds so good. It sounds so good. Talk to me about
3: how it sounds. Can I do that slow MXR phase 90 thing, but with like loads of depth. That's what I want. I just want loads of depth.
1: That's that's why I like it so much. Right. Yep. Yep, you 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 just you can get it. Just it'll just go all the way down into the Sarlacc pit if you want to. Yeah, it's it's so good, and that's how I like my phasers too. I like them to go really deep and really slow. So yeah, that would be my suggestion for you uh, on these
3: pedals. Look so bad
1: that I'd never ever I'd never consider them. They're so good. They're so good. The de seven, it's one of the best delays. It sounds so mm. good. The de 7s is fantastic. Uh, I have a pink de seven actually wow. that I, I got from Josh Scott. Um, oh, I'm looking at a pink de seven right now on reverb. They're probably it, it, if it is, they're probably a little more expensive, or actually a lot more expensive than your 299
3: standard two hundred and ninety nine pounds. Three hundred yeah. squidaroonies.
1: Yeah, that was they were. They did a pink de seven, and they did a green. Uh, T uh ts7 uh that's the tube screamer i believe those were both exclusive to japan if i'm remembering ah, correctly I see. yeah but the de7 the gray box they're, they're the same internally sounds so good man the echo mode on it is so underrated it's uh, it's it's incredible and i think you can probably pick a de7 up for somewhere around like 70 us Ugh. last last i looked yeah wow the seven series has got some. The Smashbox is a fantastic. Like if you're a you're looking to do the chugs, you know you're looking to get get brutal. The Smashbox will do that the for you.
3: Smashbox. What is the Smashbox?
1: Yeah, it's a high gain distortion. It's oh. it, it's gnarly. It works wow. great for drop tuning. Wow. Yeah, the analog phaser is really good too. I think I somewhat prefer the PH seven. So they have two different phasers in the lineup.
3: Oh, two different phaser. That is that's an. An odd thing, you expect them to have a handful of drives. I don't expect a company to go for two separate phases.
1: Yeah, two different phasers. The PH seven is a digital one, the the uh I think it's A P seven is their analog phaser. Both That's really it. good. Um, but the but PH7. You recommend I like
3: a, the digital one?
1: Yeah, for for especially for what you like and what I like out of a phaser, I think that it does that a little bit better. The analog one feels a little chewier, as you would expect, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mm-hmm. have that like deep rumble to it when it goes down low. At least not as extreme as the PH7 does.
3: I see. Okay. Well, let's see. Oh, right, but there's PH7, I'm just
1: going to check on reverb.
3: 60 pounds on reverb. 50 pounds on ebay add to basket there we go <laughs> there you we, go it's done it is done you did it you went okay. you just went and did it i've done it on your recommendation wow
1: the ph7
3: it's going to be the ugliest pedal i'm reluctant to commit this to a board because it's so ugly but um but i wouldn't it's, say they're ugly talked me into they're, it and, and
1: it's cheap enough for me to
3: do it on the spot
1: they are, um, I don't think they're ugly, they're just very plain. They actually have sort of a brutalist look, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just very, like, not a lot of character going on. Just very grey and straight and hard. That's fine, <laughs> just, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the Switch
3: thing isn't an issue for me, because it's going to be running through the bus MS3, or the switching exactly. will be done there. So as long as that's, it can be
1: on, that's fine. That's actually why, uh, that was a big part of the reason I recommend, this This is like the stars were aligning, because I saw this on the list, need a phaser, and I did not plan this out at all. The PH7 just happened to be sitting right next to my mouse, and I was like, ah, this is perfect, (laughs) because I know he's going to run it through the MS3, so the the phaser, or the switch won't be an issue, so uh, this is kind of the perfect thing for you, and I think you're really going to like it. I'm excited,
3: I'm looking forward to it. There you go, that's my birthday present to myself. Uh, Happy birthday. Thanks very much Blake. Thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. I I will uh, I will look forward to that. Um oh I tell you what also this week uh, I've been playing a lot of um Fender Bass Breaker the 18 uh 30 Fender Basebreaker. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you spend much time with the Fender Basebreaker series? Did we speak about this before? I can't remember. It doesn't matter.
1: So, I used to have the Basebreaker Breaker, uh, what was that, the seven O yeah, seven? Yeah, the 007 head. I really liked it a lot. I really, really did. Uh, but it's. I did, it, you know, this is going to sound kind of weird coming from me. That is one of the things, one of the very, very few pieces of gear that I actually sold. Uh, right. I sold it... I let me back up this story a little bit. I bought it originally because the band that I was practicing with, there was a couple smokers in that band and in the practice space we were practicing in, it was okay for them to smoke while, while practicing. That and is they rock and roll. Yeah, we were, we, yeah, we were totally rock and roll. Uh, I, I didn't really, uh, mind that didn't really bother me, but my, my Benson's were coming home smelling like the 1970s and, uh, <laughs> I didn't like that very well because I would have to literally leave them on the porch hmm. and let them air out for two days after every practice. And I was like, oh, that's not really what I want. Um also that's that speaks to how good this is for me. Uh in my lungs. But <laughs> 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 but uh uh anyway, I, I played the Bassbreaker Seven at uh at Guitar Center and I was like, This doesn't sound like my Benson at all, but it sounds really cool and sounds like what I would expect it to sound like, and it was relatively affordable. And so I was like, "Well, it's cheap enough. I can take this to practice, and if it smells like cigarettes, that's not going to bother me that much." Um, I still would like it. It still had kind of a cloth, you know, exterior. Yes, but it, it does.
3: But, it's got that gray, that charcoal Lexy yeah, clothy tolex.
1: But since it was harder, my my Benson ones I had were were literally covered in my grandpa's couch material that he left me (laughs) that just absorbed it you know this didn't really absorb it so much it really at all like i didn't have that same problem when i would take this there it didn't smell when i would bring it home so it wasn't really an issue anyway um but uh we didn't play in that space very long i you know i only played probably three or four sessions with that thing
3: (laughs) oh damn
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh and then I, I, it was just kind of chilling in, in the shred shed. And I would plug it in once in a while. I basically w- would think about selling it. I'd plug it in and go, man, this thing sounds so good. Why would I sell it? And then it would sit for six months. Um, and then I finally was like, you know, you have all these other things. It's This, this needs to go to somebody who's going to actually play it. And so right. I moved it on uh, to somebody who actually needed it. That That's said, it. I think they're really cool amps. And if it had a little more power, if I'd had the bigger version that you're talking about... I probably would have held on to it.
3: Yeah, I um I cuz these these came out whilst I was working at, at Gag. And Matt really didn't like them, and I think and I don't think Jay really liked them, and I think I just sort of took their word for it. But it, it, it you know when when i was buying this i bought this bass breaker 1830 for my guitarist tim for his 40th birthday and i was looking for a vox alternative because he has real cold feet about vox he used to play ac30s all the time and they used to break he got through like three of them mm-hmm. um, so he, he didn't want one of those i knew if i bought him an ac30 he'd just be like oh I don't want this it's gonna break you know so but he's been he recorded on a vox it's long story anyway he he's really back into his vox sound i was like what can i get him that's not a vox that sounds like a vox fender with british valves you know sounding a bit more voxy i thought this would be great obviously you're not we don't get the tremolo you don't get the reverb it's very very simple just an 18 or a 13 or a 30 watt switch and you either got a master tone and a volume on the 18 or you've got three bands of eq and a volume on the 30 so you've got no gain you know it's it's just a brutally loud very clean amp with two slightly different voicings mm-hmm.
1: really yeah it sounds I, so good it does sound good i i don't understand why they didn't like them maybe because it doesn't really sound like a fender and i it said think the fender that's name it. on it yeah. yeah
3: i think that's it because it's not quite a Vox, because it doesn't have the additional things, it just has the right valve set. Um, and, you know, that, that certainly with the 1830, I guess that's quite un- unusual, the way they've set it up. It's, you know, it's, that's very minimal controls for a, a big 212. But my goodness, it's loud. My goodness, it's clear. And it has such character to its tone as well. I just, I think they also look great. I love that boxy Fender logo. I love the charcoal Tolex, the the black grill cloth. It's got some real style. But for whatever reason, super duper unpopular for Fender, even though they still make them, they go for nothing these days. I mean, I bought that for 220 quid. You know, oh, for, really?
1: Wow. Yeah. That's, that's I think I bought my seven, and I thought I, I thought I got a smoking deal. I think I paid like 180 for it, maybe, right. something like that. Maybe it was a little bit less than that. That sounds right. That's, that's a great price, though. but I think they're I think they're cool amps. And like I said, if that if I had had the one that you have, I, I may have held on to it. That, that's part mm. of the reason I got rid of the seven and didn't play it that much was because it was like ah, this just doesn't quite have enough power for me. Yeah. Uh, doesn't it? Take, it actually did pretty well for being so low wattage, as far as like taking pedals and having enough headroom and whatnot. Uh-huh. But it just you know, it was just chilling. And uh, I I do think they're kind of underrated. I would put them in the same category, not sonically, but as far as quality for dollar as like the Vox Night Train that we talked about last time. A-
3: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're that I, I will say that the high end on the bass breaker is brutal. Like brutal. I was playing the – I took my Harmony Silhouette, mm-hmm. which I love. I love that guitar. It's all I seem to be playing at the moment. Um But so I took I took the the harmony silhouette mini humbuckers mini goldfill humbuckers in the silhouette. I normally always play on the bridge. I couldn't. It hurt. I had to play on the neck, just to tame some of that aggressive high end. And even even honestly, like move your hand down the fretboard and get that scrape at your peril, because that sound will go through you on the uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah the the most insane amount of treble on any amplifier i've ever heard
1: i don't remember the 7 being that crazy but it could have been the cabinet i was running it through maybe it toned it down a little bit cuz i did just have the head so i was playing it through a a pretty good sized uh, sun now yeah that had to have been it it was a, it was a sun 212 an, an old sun right. 212 and that thing has a ton of bass so it probably yeah. was you know making up for that
3: yeah. Yeah, it's it's not that this thing doesn't have great low end. It's just that it's in, incredibly articulate. I was just plugging the guitar in straight into the amplifier, but I was like, "Damn, I definitely if I was using this, I'd want, you know, something t- taming this. Right. You know, some, some sort kind of preamp, of something something hitting it." But of course, you know, the, the I think it would be ideal for Tim because he's he's always always plays driven And so that amp's only ever going to be hit by a drive pedal first. So, you know, just it just needed to be a clean platform. So I I hope all of that high end will get tamed. But for being articulate, just for being great, yes, it weighs a ton. But And I know, dear listener, I went through this big period of being like, everything should be lightweight because my band van's overweight and I'm obsessed with that now. But now I don't care anymore. I was... uh, (laughs) I know. I was I was up at Ashdown the other week with Mark Gooday, who, who the owner and founder of Ashdown. He also founded Trace Elliot uh, before in the in, in the eighties. He hates Class D. He hates lightweight stuff. And and he was even saying to me. He was like I, he was like I don't understand why people think that it's actually a trade off. There's no tr- you know you're not getting it for free. You're not getting the lightweight for free. It is at the expense of time because you literally need metal, you need a big heavy transformer to create the sounds that you have been listening to. And that's that was that was his uh, that was his point.
1: And I was like, yeah, I don't care about these things. So that makes me wonder about those new Black Stars, you know. Oh, the St. James's, they are supposed to be
3: super lightweight, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they, they don't have a they don't have a big output transformer. So no. that makes me curious because it's tube without a giant transformer. I don't remember how they were how they were getting around that. I'm not sure either. I don't want to write it off
3: until I've heard it because, you know, there's always room for innovation. Um, I'm just not so sure necessarily that Class D was it. You know, that, that really was a sacrifice. Whereas this, this could be something really good. we we'll certainly give it a listen. T- to be honest, like, people I respect have played them and been like, these sound good. And Blackstar have never really made anything for me. Never anything that's uh, that I've got excited about. But you know this. um hmm, yeah, I, I think that could be good. I'm, this I'm is, looking forward to it.
1: This is exciting for me. I, I, I've, to be fair, like never paid super close attention to Black Star, but this is probably the release that they've came out with that has excited me the most. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm very good. curious to try it.
3: Yeah, me, me too. Oh, I need to give them a call. Yeah, they, they, uh, they look really good, don't they? They've got some good players on board who are. You know, ascertaining that they are very good amps, and from the demos that I've listened to, you know, what what can you tell about an amp through through speakers in a in a
1: video? No, very little, but it sounds really good. You know, so yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'm, Who knows? I'm 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 being open minded. I want mm. I want to try it.
3: Mm. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Well, I, uh, I tell you what, I just randomly remembered. I went um to friend of the podcast. Um, Dan Grace's wedding over the weekend with Jay and Mark and um, and uh, Dan Grace, he works for Squire. He used to work with us at, at, at GAC and mm-hmm. he went on to work for Squire and he's the reason that in the UK there are loads of shell Pink Squires. Oh. Um, he really he gets all the FSR things. I think he was quite involved. He, he does deals with the US as well. He was quite involved in that shell Pink base six as well that uh, that that came out of Squire. But he does in he was he spent honestly half of his wedding talking to me about these like these new oh I probably can't actually talk about them. Yeah, I better not, because Fender and Squire are a big enough company that they'll mind. <laughs> and, and and if Fender and Squire are listening, Dan didn't tell me anything.
1: No embargoes were broken here. Nothing. You, know, no. you don't know anything about
3: anything. <laughs> I don't know. Who's Dan? I don't know him. <laughs> but but uh, but he he plays this he has a, a lovely custom shop um like fifty two telly in blonde, Ooh. very good, very good. Jay's Jay's v- super jealous, and he plays it through a uh, through a, a Marshall nineteen seventy four X, and uh, splits it into a. Uh, what does he use now? Does he use a basement? I think he has a basement fifty, and and has a a, a little a little ABY to switch between them. Also has a clon Centaur is his only pedal, which is rather cool. <laughs> it's a very cool setup, but he's uh, he plays a 72 Deluxe now as well that he also has uh Fender 72 Deluxe which he's just had refinished in shell pink. Which at first at first I thought was a bit of a cardinal sin, but it does actually look great and suited him very much.
1: I uh I think it's fine. It's not a sin. It's fine. No. It's okay. That's what I say. Hmm. It's all fine. Paint everything whatever color you want it to be. Well,
3: well, he was he was wearing a blue suit, but with shell pink, a uh, shell pink tie, and shell pink Doc martins. Paint that duck martins. So yeah, yeah so it, it worked. It worked. Yeah. He he played guitar in the wedding band, which is why I mean we knew that it was a it was a what do they call it? bandio key I don't know. But it was basically like if you knew some standards, you needed to let people know at the start because you might have to go up and play something, uh, which was difficult because of course you want to drink. Um,
0: but
3: yeah. <laughs> J. Jay Cross got picked out the hat very near to the end and had to do a had to sing a cover of uh, um, the Hives. I uh, hate to say, I told you so. Is How'd that, that go? Name? Oh, it was very good. Jay Cross is an excellent front man. He kicks his legs very high, but it's uh, it, it was good.
1: It I could see good. that. I could see him being a very high kicker. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. That pencils exactly. It was he could uh, probably kick my head like off. Oh,
3: almost undoubtedly, yeah. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a very aggressive man. He's a very
1: aggressive man. <laughs> he's so scary.
3: So yeah. scary. He is. He is. So there is a there is another issue that you can help me with, Blake. Okay. I keep thinking about getting another Gibson Melody Maker. Oh. I, 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 I really want one in my life. I feel like I got rid of the one that I had. Admittedly, I just had it as part of my shopping. I didn't own it, but when it sold, I was like, I really loved that guitar very very much and i feel like right now a vintage guitar is missing from my life because i have lots of vintage basses i don't have any vintage guitars everything i have is new you know pretty much what i'm using now is the harmony uh, the two harmonies i've got the juno the silhouette and the grez mendocino those are the three go-tos now over Mm -hmm. here and i Mm -hmm. am missing having something old and a bit crappy you know Mm -hmm. And the melody maker just seems like I get all the the emotional support of having Gibson on the headstock and so feeling like a big boy. But it's also relatively affordable and it has all that sort of Italian 70s, you know, sort of uh, not made very well vibe to it. All that sort of you're really fighting the guitar to get the notes out thing. And it's super short scale, which I think is very cool. So I think I want one again. What do you think?
1: So I love, with a deep passion, I have a 65 melody maker. And uh, I love that guitar. I would push back a bit on the, you know, because I've played a lot of those weird uh, Italian guitars and those weird Japanese guitars, where it's like, some can be just rippers and some it's like, how do you even play this guitar? It doesn't make any sense. This, this melody maker used to fall under that category of like, this doesn't play very well, but I took it over to my friend, uh, Matt Wright, Wright Sounds, who's a tech here in Portland. And he just did kind of a basic setup, maybe a little little tweaking here and there. And we added a Mojo Axe bridge to it, which is um, and like a pre-intonated wraparound style uh, replacement. Yes, yes know the yeah. well. Uh, and this thing's an absolute ripper now. Because I was actually thinking about selling it because I, I got it and I was like, it doesn't quite, you know, it doesn't spark the joy that I thought it was going to over a right. long period right. of time. And so I said, you know what? I can tell that this needs a setup. I can tell it needs a little bit of fret work. I can tell it needs some stuff. Let's go get that done and then decide if if you're going to sell it. And I took it to him and I said, yeah, set this up for me. Do all the things that it needs. And then then I'll decide if I'm going to sell it or not. He did all that stuff. I came back over. I plugged it in. Played it, like, played it for like 30 seconds. And he's like, you're not selling that anymore, are you? I was like, nope, not at all. <laughs> not not, e- not even kind of. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't sell that guitar. He's like, that thing's a beast. Um, now, specifically, what I think is overlooked, and this this does make, my recommendation is going to make this a little bit harder on you. But for the longest time, if you go into gear forums, a lot of people are like, you got to get rid of those pickups. You got to get rid of those, they're like, lap steel pickups is what they put in them they were just like leftover pickups that gibson had laying around and they were like put they you got to get rid of those and get a, a p90s you know style pickup in there which is great um but these pickups are totally underrated especially if you can get one of the double pickup versions that pickup, really yeah, yeah that pickup in the neck position whoo Ah, I oh, bet. I bet so as much good. as I'm
3: a big bridge pickup fan. I bet this is exactly the sort of instrument and exactly the sort of pickup that would sound fantastic in a neck position.
1: Mm-hmm. It sounds great in the bridge too. Uh, it it it's slightly Tele esque. Um, I imagine maybe- it's
3: more a character sound in, in in the bridge.
1: Yeah, it's it's to me it sounds like a, a Telecaster with a a slight with like slightly less bottom end. You yes. know, um, and yeah, but in the neck, man, it's just it's just magical. So you, I would recommend, if you can, find the double pickup version, which is, mm. I know, a harder thing to do. Very much so. But it's incredible. It's a, such an underrated uh, guitar. I Like, if I was, if I didn't have one, you know, I I would even be tempted to have, like, maybe someone like Fidelity build something similar, you know. Um, yes,
3: it's got that vibe, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. So So what do you you, you think? What do you think about those early two thousands
1: reissues?
3: You know, I, I, could I slake my, my thirst for this instrument with one of those?
1: I don't think so. I think those are great and I would play one and I have played them before. And I think they're pretty cool. I, in general, I think the Gibsons from the early two thousands are, are pretty great in just whatever you, you know, whichever one you would decide to go with. Um, I have a faded Les Paul myself, but I don't think it's going to scratch that vintage itch that you're looking for, yeah, like like I at think all. You're right. Like I think you'll get it and be like, "This is cool," but I still want something old.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, and they're shooting up in in value now. The, Are they? The good, I haven't the, looked in a while. Well, I mean, I, I'm, okay, I'm looking at I'm looking at a '63 double cut, double pickup, mm-hmm. uh, twenty seven hundred pounds. Whoa, whoa, what? Yeah, I'm looking at a 59. Admittedly, it's the 59, the three-quarter, Melody Maker, uh 2,900. Um, what yeah, happened? So, yeah. yeah uh, I found another one here, 62, 2,300. Uh, a completely gutted body. So just the body, like finish removed, no plate. You know, the body and neck, obviously. Mm-hmm. Headstock, no tuners or anything. So it's just the wood, <laughs> really. Uh 1,200. Um, same thing. That was a double cut. Same thing. Single cut. Uh, Nineteen sixty. Nineteen hundred. 1900. So. Uh, Whoa. So and those. Are, that's not even. You know. That's not even the guitar.
1: So that makes me wonder what's going on in the. That's that's the UK reverb. I'm assuming. Yeah. So a couple of those
3: I think would have been EU. Those last. But yeah. The last. The, those gutted ones were Germany. There's a place in Germany that seems to have a lot of that sort of stuff, like here's some vintage thing that's just had everything stripped out of it, and we're still charging a bunch for it.
1: Let's see um, what we're doing what we have going on in the states right now. I'm pulling it up um okay so so yeah, we're looking at uh okay, that's a single pickup, you know maybe what we have to do is a little geo arbitrage here, so maybe I find you one and then we, <laughs> and then we you know. Um well here's uh no that's a single. But there are some single pickups out there for wow these have really shot up a lot. Now granted yeah. mine has been refinished at some point which probably cuts it in a, in half. Um Yeah. Uh But yeah, there's a 64 double pickup on here. it Looks really clean for what it's worth. Oh and it has a case, which is helpful for yeah, 3500. What in the world? Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, uh another one that's yeah for 29 but there are some there are some um single pickups for for around 15
3: well that Um, yeah that
1: is what the the
3: best deal i found is on reverb for one of the the double cuts uh single pickup double cut in the that lovely sort of natural mahogany finish mm -hmm. um which i assume that they came in that right that was that's not that the finish has been stripped well, well see, that's what sunburst. I've never—I've
1: never been able to figure out about mine. I, I'm pretty sure it's been refinished, but mine looks more yeah. like a walnut. I like, see. Yeah, yeah. like it's—it's it's really weird. I, I've never been able to quite figure it out.
3: Well, either way, I would love a sunburst, but I would certainly, considering the price difference, except this natural mahogany double car. I was always more into the single, but the double is—is is really stunning. I'm really starting to like the double. Actually, the more time I spend looking at this, thirteen uh, hundred. Uh, well, 1400. Okay. 1400 pounds. So that's way more reasonable. That's definitely like an, I'd feel less bad because I guess I sold the single cut that I had for like a, for a grand. So this isn't too much more considering it's been like four years since I sold mm-hmm. it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like both the singles. Normally I'm a single cut guy for, 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 especially for Gibsons. Yeah. Like I definitely prefer a Les Paul to an SG, even though I love SGs. Um, but the something about the weirdness of the double double cut melody maker really appeals to me. I don't know what that, it is, isn't
3: it? I don't know. The horns just seem like an odd choice considering the contours of the lower bout of the body. It seems sort of weirdly, but it looks strangely balanced. It looks neck heavy, you know. I, I don't. I don't know how to describe that, dear listener. But it, mm. it they, they're unusual and very weird looking.
1: The other the thing about melody makers that is underrated. Uh, is that that thinness of the body they're very comfortable for me. I find yes. them very comfortable to. Now, if you're a bigger person, I could I could see how they might not be, but if you're, you know, vertically challenged like myself, they're quite a comfortable guitar and they're super light. You can just you can really thrash around with these things and you're going to be fine. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I'm going to play this guitar later cuz I've just been staring at it <laughs> the whole time that we've been talking about it. It's like I'm so glad I didn't sell that uh, <laughs> the way I had originally planned. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but i i paid uh, I paid like uh, nine hundred bucks for. Ah. It. Yeah. So, like. <laughs> well, I miss the times before
3: you know the the well, not before the internet, but I guess before like YouTube and podcasts and information became so readily available, and so now everyone knows about everything. So everything's the right price you know it's so much harder to find a super deal these days
1: yeah and that's what's weird is uh this was this was definitely still when i bought this this was definitely prime internet age but there for a while this shop in town i was always I'm, i remember asking the guy i'm like you sure this is what you're selling this for like i'm not like i'll take it not not this guitar in particular it was actually a a um it was a i believe what year was that I believe it was a 68, uh, Antigua, um, oh, uh, what's the, what's the guitar? The Fender's semi-hollow. Um, my brain just oh, totally the
3: Starcast fit. to the of the Coronado?
1: The Coronado. The Coronado. Uh, now I know Antigua is very polarizing. I happen to like it. Some people don't and I get that. However, you know, there's no denying this guitar's value. This was only probably seven years ago. And it was 800 bucks. What? (laughs) I did not have $800 (laughs) at all uh, that I could dedicate to it uh, without selling something. And I I wasn't really. But I was like, oh. And I was like, are you sure this is only 800 bucks? And they're like, yeah, that's the price. I'm like, oh, man, I don't need this, but. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I know that this is like an eighteen hundred dollar guitar at the time. You know, now they're probably probably a lot more than that, actually. Yeah, yeah. But um,
3: I yeah. yeah I I like that. You know, probably the guitar shops I go to most, uh, Denmark Street, and of course, you know, if you can find even like I don't know an effects pedal for less than five hundred quid on Denmark Street, then you're doing well. <laughs> so it's uh, you sort of have the opposite. You go in and see stuff. You go, oh, this is fantastic. How much is this? 12,000 pounds. Okay. I'll okay. See you later.
1: Yeah, you you know what? It's been great. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, speaking, oh, we didn't even get into one of the well, I guess that's why we have uh, more content coming. Well, the, I was going to say the
3: Patreon coming up. Yes, yeah. Yeah,
1: I I got to play a 1.2 million dollar guitar. So Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was I- weird. I want to hear
3: all about that. We, we should go and talk about that more because we, we have come to the, the end of this episode. So we're going to pop over to the Patreon, dear listener, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. And Blake and I are going to talk all about this 1.2 million pound guitar. If we get time, I kind of want to ask you about the new uh, the new Meris LVX because you played that as well. And I want to talk about that because that's like a, a thing I'm really interested in. But they're very hard to get a hold of over here at the moment. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get one, you know, to a, a demo unit. Uh, quite I'm not YouTubey enough to be in the first <laughs> tier of uh, of stuff that gets sent out. But, um, but yeah. So I want to hear about that anyway, dear listener. You can join us over on Patreon.com forward slash katanas. and for as little as a dollar a month, you can support me and the podcast. Um, and and for that, you'll get this episode ad free and early. This episode is late because I'm useless but and and also because Matt apparently can't use a calendar um, uh, $5 <laughs> a month gets you access to all of that plus you get the Patreon special episodes, the special Patreon episodes $10 a month gets you all of those things and I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms, join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. I know Facebook is old school now but it's still actually a, quite a good place for us to just chat so come and have a chat. Thanks for listening, you've been lovely, we've been the Guitar Nerds well, we've been the Blake and Joe Show.
1: Farewell. Bye. (laughs)
3: I can look at the dock,
0: the buck,